you are watching the Hoop Central podcast right here on Spirit Live. The last episode of the semester. We'll be back in a couple months. But it's the last episode. It's very sad. Hakeem can't even talk because um, he's already tearing up and crying. It's very surreal for me, for Nakeem and I. And, um. Hey, hey, everyone! It's uh, it's your your boy, uh, Nick, Nick. It's your boy Nakeem. Alongside me is um, the um, wonderful, good-looking, always best dressed, top basketball knowledge, Malik. Nope. And I'm just sorry. I'm just so emotional. I, the, this is the last episode of the semester. It feels like it went by so fast. We didn't get to talk to you guys that much. Oh my goodness. I don't know the oh next time goodness, I'm going to see Malik, why? even though we have the same why? exact schedule for the rest of the semester. Why? But hey, <laughs> let's talk about some hoops, right? Hoop, hoop time. It's been a while since you guys, uh, we've been together uh, due to scheduling conflictions, you know, health, people not being here, you know different things some some stuff had like a greater priority i guess you could say than the yeah, podcast yeah, especially yeah, us being in our fourth year our final year in university it's definitely tons on our a lot sure. of stuff piling up it's stacking stacking but hey mm-hmm. we're always gonna come here and come through for you guys whenever we can and we made sure to to do so for the final episode of this semester but hey notice how we said semester that means we'll we'll be back just mm-hmm. got a little bit of weeks but uh yes sir but hey, Malik, you know, before we just uh, beat around the bush, you know, that's my favorite saying. And we uh, talk about, you know, all this uh, stuff. Who had the best performance and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of time that's passed. I think we should get right into some of the, the main storylines and narratives that have occurred so far in the past couple weeks in the NBA. Because some of them are still relevant to when we were scheduled to have our last episode, right? And I think one of the main things is involving a team in the Western Conference mm-hmm. that has kind of surprised everyone with the way they've been playing, right? And no, it is not in a bad way because maybe people thought we were going with a certain direction. We're not going to be that te- that that platform that's going to talk about the mainstream teams. The beam team. Light the beam. The beam Let team. it shine. The beam team. The fox is out of his den. Oh, I like that. He's coming for everybody, and he's fast. Ever since they started lighting that beam up in Sacramento, Mm -hmm. they, well, they did lose to the Atlanta Hawks, so that kind of broke the streak. But before that, they were winning games and not looking back, looking like a team that was primed for the playoffs, and that's kind of the expectations that you want to have on this team because how long are you going to be in that area of are you good enough are you gonna make that jump yeah you got the players you got the talent but now we're seeing they're really clicking and malik before you give your thoughts yeah. about this team yeah 
I'm very intrigued and kind of fascinated with the way that they've been playing and performing because they made an addition in the offseason, right? They obviously brought in a few players into their team. Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, you draft Keegan Murray, you have the same guys as you had De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis have a full offseason to mesh. Harrison Barnes, great veteran leadership. I, they still have Rashawn Holmes. I don't know if they've been playing him that much. I don't think so. He's nah. kind of fallen out of the rotation. Yeah. But the big accusation for them was hiring Mike Brown as their head coach. Wow, now, wow. this is going to go into something later on, but Mike Brown, mm-hmm. when he was with the Golden State Warriors, he was their head of defense. The reason their defense was so good is because he was the one orchestrating and facilitating it within those guys, right? He comes to Sacramento, and this team doesn't turn into one of the best defensive teams. They turn into the best offensive team in the league, which is kind of intriguing yeah. and interesting to me that his philosophies. Now, if you look at just some quick stats, I know we're uh, we're about, what, 17 games. Some teams have played 20. We'll say 17, 20 games in the season. Yep. The Kings lead the NBA in points per game with 120 points. That is a lot of points that they're racking, racking up. Racking it up. They're racking up a lot of points, wow, right? Wow, wow. And they're doing this on the best field goal percentage in the NBA too. So they're not just scoring on you at an uh, alarming rate at an electric clip. They're also doing it efficiently, which I think is um which is very very key because that shows that they're not taking uh a plethora of shots right yeah, of yeah. bad shots they're playing within their offense within their scheme i think this is sustainable they are 10 and 7 and their last 10 games they're 8 and 2 and just like you said mike brown instilled that defensive culture from the golden state warriors and i think as a collective when you buy into the system and you come into the season with a chip on your shoulder then you can achieve anything so i think De'Aaron fox is that leading voice that that group wanted and needed because they wanted him to be a leader but he's very young and he's very raw so i think he grew a lot of maturity in his game as well and his shot has mightily improved and i think when you add a supporting cast and um sabonis you still have metu off the bench kevin herter malik monk davion mitchell still progressing and he's still very mm-hmm, young you have mm-hmm. raw 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 young talent and you have a mixture of veterans as well so i think with this team you could buy into the system i think this is sustainable in the future and they're sitting fifth in the western conference at the moment and uh, with the upcoming schedule of course you're going to see some good you're going to see some bad but i think it's all about the consistency at the end of the day and the trade deadline is the key key time for the sacramento kings because you could get better i know that they want to unload rashawn holmes i know that they want to unload harrison barnes so if you could package those two and find your prime small forward to pair with keegan murray and sabonis and herder and fox then i think the sky's the limit and absolutely i think they have really good talent and uh, they still have people like casey okpala in the g league um i think they drafted moneki chima moneki um trey lyles who's still there who could always start he's almost that stretch four alex Len, um keon ellis and the Terrence Davis has been a really bright spot for them as of late. So I guess that's just getting into the roster. However, the Sacramento Kings have been absolutely phenomenal. And one loss against the Atlanta Hawks. You know, Atlanta Hawks are very tough. They're really all-around team. However, Sacramento, you know, they're going to break the streak. And I do feel like not only are they going to um, make the play, but they're actually going to make the playoffs. I would say a lower tier. I could say they could they could snag that 7th, 8th spot. If the Kings can keep this up, one thing is for sure especially with the way the west and the east are stacked right now is that a good a good start to the season 
will definitely go a long way because oh, as, yeah. if you can get as much traction uh, ahead of the person behind you or two places behind you then that's going to play very evident towards the end of the season yep. because that's when you already know how to play with your guys right and as long as you beat the teams you're supposed to beat beat those uh teams that are below 500 you know as long as you get that consistency going and we're seeing this and you mentioned a bunch of the guys here right one thing that's kind of funny to me i'll just say this right now yeah, yeah. is that kevin herter who is shooting about close to 50 percent from three oh my which is oh my insane oh, that's insane there is one person shooting above 50 percent from three shout out our guy shout yudo watanabe yes sir yudo watanabe but it's funny because he's shooting uh 49.6 so we can round up say 50 percent from three that's dope but yeah he's only shooting 66 percent from the free throw line interesting i didn't even know that yeah which is uh, herder yeah herder wow. which is not which is very uh interesting. interesting but if you look at this team i think we're seeing De'Aaron fox finally be the guy that we thought he could be but if you look at De'Aaron Fox's stats 25 six assists five rebounds and to go pair that with Sabonis who's averaging about 17 and remember he started off the season really slow so I wouldn't be surprised if Sabonis gets that that 17 points to even 20 points per game because he's very capable of doing that he's averaging about 11 rebounds a game you know that he is one of those guys that can have a double double in the first half, yeah. yet alone an uh, entire 48 minutes of play. Yeah, he had that 22 rebound game and he had like 13 at the halftime. I was so surprised that the Lakers did not try harder to keep Malik Monk because I know Falling. Malik Monk is a, a role player and he's not like a superstar. He's not an all star. He's not a star. He's probably just a scorer. But what he's able to provide for that team, I think, is energy, his athleticism. I think his defense is very underrated. He he tries, and I think that's at least that you want, especially with that those athletic gifts that he has. Yeah. There's no reason for him not to be a good defender. It goes all the way back to Charlotte, not giving him a chance. Exactly. And now that we're seeing him get that chance, we're seeing him knock down big shots in the fourth quarter. We see, you mentioned, Terrence Davis have 30-point games. Big time. And this was a guy that the only reason he's no longer in a Raptors jersey is because of those allegations and uh, maybe not so much allegations, but himself getting involved in uh, stuff outside of basketball that obviously we don't promote and we don't we don't agree with and we think should be we should uh there should be punishment to that and the raptors feel the same way Mm -hmm. and we're good to see hopefully he is i believe he has changed and he's grown from that and we're seeing him now getting into his role and stuff and this team just is fun to watch oh they're a fun team even if they don't make the playoffs i'm just happy with the way that sacramento finally has something to look forward to Mm -hmm. right because even with demarcus cousins he was a great player and I miss when Boogie was was Boogie, but you just knew they were gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Like you'd watch and it wasn't fun. This team, it's like, oh yeah, they're they're always gonna the, be in uh, it. They're all about. And what did, what did cousin say just now? You were telling me uh, last week. What did cousin say? Hey Sacramento, maybe help me. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me help you bring you to the playoffs. And I think Boogie with Sacramento this year, oh uh, that would be. I feel like Demarcus Cousins should be in the league. I don't know why. He's I not know. In the Kemba, he did good Kemba, with, Kemba and Cousins. He did good with Denver last year. Dwight Howard. Dwight, sh- don't even get us started with Dwight. Dwight. What he be doing in Taiwan? What do you have like 35, 28, and eight, ass- nine assists and like five blocks? Oh, yeah, and, and doing like those step back threes. <laughs> he took like ten threes in his first game. <laughs> I'm like, yo, th- this the, the difference between an NBA level player and um in a different league is insane and uh malik oh, oh yeah let me talk to you about this actually 
we we taking a we're taking a class called athletes perspective right yeah so we're getting to learn more about uh athletes and at least their approach to the game and what it's like for them because as fans we kind of are blinded yeah i think we all can agree about that at times we kind of look at them as uh as idols as role models more so as a basketball player as a form of entertainment yes rather than a human being which they are at the end of the day exactly but man the amount of work that these guys got to put in to to be great because we recently a if you guys keep this down noted we were producing a documentary round of applause round of applause it is going to be out november 30th yes sir on um on youtube and it's also going to be on a website that we're creating which the the link you'll probably be able to find it on our social medias at uh, at bangshot studios a mm-hmm. little, little friendly plug but plug we're, it up, plug it up. we've been able to talk with some athletes who are currently in the high school realm and performing a career in uh pursuing a career i should say uh, as a professional and the amount of work that goes in and you mentioned it earlier with guys who have been filling in with guys, when people are unhealthy look at a guy like javon carter who ends up getting minutes and drops 36 points and that's a guy who oh before goodness. this year he wasn't really even getting minutes no. and i think that just shows you the talent of these guys in the nba and it's becoming so much more uh noticeable with yeah. some of these guys when they're getting the opportunities they're performing yeah. they're, they're, they're they're changing alec burks Cameron Payne. Look at uh, someone on the Raptors like Jeff Doughton Jeff who's Doughton. getting minutes in, in like what, eight minutes? He has 10 points, right? And he's doing good on defense. And it's just the level of play for basketball with within the NBA and just in general has got so high that now if you look at a team like Golden State coming off a championship run, I just feel like not only did they lose out so much without Gary Payton and without Otto Porter, and also I think Mike Brown leaving, and we'll talk about that because yeah. that's big that's big but i feel like the nba just also got better yeah i think a lot a lot of teams have gotten used to the, the system that the warriors have used in five years and some of them have really figured it out and i didn't know that the impact of losing your bench and your glue guys off the bench would impact warriors but i guess it has a little bit saying james wiseman down to the g league for reevaluation and i noticed that the warriors are resting they're starting five quite a bit there's games where very curry, curry clay curry clay draymond and wiggins are all out at the same time i'm like hmm, i wonder what they're trying to do and i'm very curious to why they would, they would do that maybe just to get more opportunities for the bench however they're losing games and i knew that i remember sacramento beat Golden state warriors back to back and it's it seems like there's no sense of urgency within the team that even though they've got off to such a bad start that they feel like they could just turn it up and definitely they could definitely they could they look at them they're nine and ten right now it's not bad we look at a team like the raptors who start off the season i believe eight and ten mm-hmm. or nine and thirteen or something yeah. around the lines of that yeah and they ended up finishing 48 and 34 last year right yeah they turned and up they could have easily won 50 games i think they lost their last two games of the season and the raptors could have had a start of nine and ten or below 500 and then end up winning 50 games so there's definitely a possibility that we could see the warriors still win 50 games oh yeah oh yeah definitely but i think me and you both had them high i believe did you have them first i had them first we, malik had them first and i think one thing is that we both overestimated how good those young guys would be yeah. because i don't think for me myself as a basketball mind because sometimes i don't like to consider myself a fan all the time because i feel like me and you both we consume basketball at a rate that normal fans don't so we look at it from like an uh, analyst point of view view. and from you know as a sport media professional as we are and 
We look at guys like Kaminga and Moody, and we know how talented they are. Agreed. James Wiseman, especially too. Who who, who they draft? Um, uh, Baldwin. Baldwin. I haven't seen him I get any seen minutes, him. but we have these guys who are very talented. But I think we we kind of overestimate their abilities when it comes to an offensive scheme yeah. like the Warriors and what they have. Because as you mentioned, th- I feel like teams did figure them out a bit with how they run their offense. But I think a major thing about that is if the Warriors' offense is clicking and people are doing what they're supposed to do, Not that stop. is an unstoppable offense. No, and we've seen that. it. Well, Clay. We've seen it. And I think that's the one thing. Clay needs to be better. Clay. Clay needs to be better. And they, they just don't have... 3 and D guys anymore. Yeah, it's just the the, co- the cohesion. It's between. not there. That that dynamic, we're seeing why it can't work, right? They people talk about this, and I want to shout out uh Kenny Beecham, King of the Fourth Quarter. Uh, Kenny. Uh Kenny, if you don't watch Kenny Beecham, go and watch him. He's amazing. Uh, he he has a great basketball mind and content that's different from mainstream media. But the Warriors were getting praise after they won the championship because they're trying to do two things. They're trying to play with the core that they had while still raising the next generation, which we don't see in basketball that much because it's very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Especially when you have a guy like Curry, you see it with LeBron, you have to buy into those guys. You might have young prospects, but you got to ship them out because you got to surround them with the talent that's needed. We've seen it when LeBron went to Cleveland. They got the first pick, drafted Wiggins, shipped them out for Kevin Love because you're trying to contribute with guys who can perform now. We know what they're going to get. They're going to produce this. We know exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. The Warriors kind of developed their team last year. But when you look at the guys who are real contributors on that championship run, Kaminga wasn't one of those. Moses Moody wasn't one of those. James Wiseman didn't play a single minute in the season. Play in the season, nope. All those young guys that you're expecting to now go into such a massive role weren't even contributing to the run. No. So they weren't really doing two at once. And now when you try to make, you're trying to really do it now, you're seeing why it isn't working. Seeing why it's quite a, it's quite a slow start. I know it's only been what 18, 19 games. But I guess it shows the consistency or the or the consistency of, of those guys not getting the opportunities they need. I, and maybe they're resting their starting five because that's the only way they could give those guys those minutes. And yeah. they want to take it and say, you know, we're going to take a risk and rest our top five players. And we're going to give guys like Kaminga and Moses Moody and uh, Baldwin eventually some minutes as well. So it's a risky move to play. But I think I think you have to build a system where both starting live and bench could succeed at the same time and coexist eventually. And hopefully they create a system where they could do that and they could show why they're the champs. Yeah, because it feels like if Curry doesn't score like 40 points, then there's there's no hope in them winning. Yeah. But I also feel like maybe Wiggins takes in that role as a secondary scorer. Like we've seen with the T-Wolves, he goes into that form where he's more scorer rather than defense. Yeah. But then their defense has been non-existent too so there's a lot of issues that has to uh, sort out and go in the stand we're probably gonna see some trades i still believe they're gonna turn up maybe some trades but i know they're gonna turn up i still believe they're gonna turn up you say ah yeah i've learned to not doubt golden state we all learned that the hard way last year when they won the chip when a lot of people didn't project them to do so but hopefully those young guys can end up getting minutes because there's a lot there's a lot of talent with the young with the young generation and malik i know you're very in touch with talent themselves and what they've been able to bring in the the draft class la- next year we always hear it it feels like it's such a it's such a cliche to say that this 
the next draft class has some generational talent. This might be the best draft class in a while. Yeah. But this 2023 draft class is built different. It's literally built different just off of two players alone. But I know Malik, you're one of those people that are, say when people are say Webinyama and Scoot Henderson, you're like, mm-mm-mm. There are some other guys too that you need to be talking about. Yeah, yeah, Wimbenyama is amazing, but there, there's some other guys. There's and Malik, guys. you know what? Why don't you just put us on some some of the athletes that people might not really be talking about, some of the prospects, and who you think can uh, obviously have a good season this year, or who can surprise on the next level? Yeah, well, one guy that I guess projected to go second from uh, right after a uh, few Wimbenyama is Scoot Henderson, and he's shown out. Um, um, he's good, and he's an elite athlete in the point guard position. He become a high level passer. He's very athletic, and uh, he's 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 quote unquote said that he's better than Wimbenyama. He 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 says that he's number one. So I'm ready to see that rivalry between those two. And I'm really excited for that. Um, one guy that was uh, that one guy that was mentioned uh, from Arkansas is Anthony Black, mm, a big that's point a guard player. with great handles and elite passing, and he has special basketball instincts. And he's putting on a show early in the call in the college career. And his comparison is Josh Giddy. So. If someone's, if any team would love to have someone like Anthony Black on, on their team, someone like he's a facilitator, um, pass first, always gets involved and not afraid to cover. And uh, you mentioned big point guard, he's six seven. So six seven. Imagine a Josh Giddy at six seven. That's a very intriguing prospect. You know, especially now that the new wave. I think we're eventually going to see a day and age, and this makes me so sad. But also, this is just the evolution of basketball. But as a 5'7 king, a short king myself, I think we're eventually going to see where 6'1 point guards are the the obscurity, are the rarity in the NBA. And the, 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 the average is like 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six at the point guard position because... Yeah, who was the first one to do that? Michael Carter-Williams? Yeah, he was one. I guess you could say Magic. Magic was 6'7. Ma- but when Magic was doing what he's doing, that was like, what, what, what is this? We've, we've never yeah, seen a like, guy this it, size it, like, do it, this. Like, is he a point guard or what? But I, but yeah, Michael Carter-Williams was definitely one of the first. Who are some other people that you might uh, have some, uh, some you know, things to say about them? Well, no, um, projected to be number five, right behind Anthony Black, right behind School Henderson, right behind Vue Binyama. There's a, there's a one familiar name. I've heard this guy, Nick Smith. Another Arkansas product. Another Arkansas guy. So Arkansas. They're, they're up this year for the NCAA. They, you know what? I'm excited for them. It's a scoring guard uh, right beside uh, Anthony Black. He gives you buckets. He plays with the edge, and he's a perfect fit for the modern NBA. And he's a guard that who could create his own offense and score from three levels. His NBA comparison is Gilbert Arenas. Mm, you, oh, my God. I think people don't understand how good Gilbert Arenas was when Fantastic. he was getting it going. Because yes, we, we, we know who he is. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 know, know. We, we, know, we know what type of person outside of basketball Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. But, but the basketball but the court, player? He's one of the few players in the NBA's history to drop 60 points. Just going to say that out there. But uh, there's some guys that I have on my radar as well. I think one person, I got to get it out there. We all know when we talk about college ball, I'm going to bring up the Duke Blue Devils because cool. that is where my heart resides. I'm a, I'm a Duke. I'm a part of the brotherhood. Uh, imaginarily, I feel like I played there in my college years, yes, uh, in my spirit. But like he, uh, he's going to be the, the top prospect in the next couple of years. Yeah, going to come in. going to be like I played four years in college. I'm the most experienced. And he's going to come in and win a championship with the Toronto Raptors, averaging 25 points, three blocks, two steals, eight, 18 rebounds, and 12 assists on imagine uh, on, five, on, on 85% shooting and 110% in free throw. Imagine accuracy. a five seven guy getting 18 rebounds a game. That would be insane, bro. <laughs> that big That's man the who the big man on that other. team 
team is getting their scholarship revoked if you let a 5'7 guy get 18 boards. But uh, the player that one of the p- players I'm talking about is uh, Derek Whitehead from, from Duke. The nice. only thing is with him, he is super talented. And he's a great athlete. He could play both ends of the floor, offense, defense. But even in their recent game, I believe it was against Oregon. He, or not Oregon, uh, Oklahoma State, I believe. Uh, him and Derek Lively didn't really get that much minutes in the second half. And it was due to their lack of effort on defense or mm-hmm. just lack of um, Tough love. like motor with within the defensive side of the floor. And it's like, you can understand. Remember, these are 19, 18-year-old kids. So... It's so crazy for me saying that. Like, I can now say that's an eighteen-year-old kid because I'm older yeah, than him. And we're and we're older, and and it doesn't even feel like it. But it's crazy. But it's crazy to think 21. about. But uh, anyways, I think once he able to get that um that drive and be consistent on the defensive end, because I feel like offensively it'll come to him. I don't think he'll be a number one scoring option, but I think he can be that two-way secondary oh, guy yeah. who can really fill it up. Uh, another person for me, a lot of eyes are on the G League ignite. And I gotta support my Canadian, my Canadian guy. I oh, gotta yeah. go Leonard Miller from yes. Scarborough. Love Leonard Miller. Uh, Leonard Miller is a guy who, um, who wasn't even supposed to be in this draft class. He kind of switched. Uh, he transitioned upwards. He's with the the G League Ignite right now. He's uh, slotted to around the 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 twentieth range from twenty to twenty five. But this is a guy who, if he performs at a high level, which he is capable of. Uh, he was the number one prospect of his class, and he moved up. He can make his way into the lottery. That's how good Leonard Miller oh, no. is. Oh, he's he's very he's very talented. But uh, that's a, that's one person, and a, one last guy, one last guy I'll mention. And I hate to do this, because you know when it comes to Duke, there's a rivalry, and there's that one team, and they beat us in the final four, and I oh, and the main guy, one of the main guys that did it to us, main guy, he could have been a Dukey. He said he was going to go to Duke. He Duke was his dream school. But he didn't go because Jeremy Roach went there. And I understand Jeremy Roach. He was already a point guard. Blah, blah. Anyways, yeah. let me not get into it. Caleb Love. Caleb Love. And I saw his name on that one too. He's amazing. Caleb Love is one of those guys where I think he can go late first round or early second round because of... He could be a gem. Because of maybe the politics of basketball in, in terms I mean that by defensively he might not be up there you might think he's just a scorer but it can be one of those guys that when we look back at this draft we're gonna wonder why did Caleb Love drop so far down because he is producing at a high level and I think he's gonna be you know who's another player I think is gonna do that who's already been drafted Jaden Hardy I think Jaden Hardy is gonna be a guy that we wonder why right yeah he's with their G League affiliate he's lighting it up Mm -hmm. but uh those are the guys that I have. Absolutely. There's one guy I actually want to mention to you. This is in recent news because I actually, off the top, I just can't remember this name. I don't think he'll be in this draft. But there's one guy that's having a big comeback story right now. I think you know who, I'm, who I might mention here. Monty Bates. Oh, that is a, he could, he could even declare for this draft. That is a name too. What's you know going how, on with him right now? You know how good that would be for, seeing I think. Big that highlights, half-court shots, big three-pointers, comeback story. We're seeing Imani Bates that. Allegations and DUIs and him experiencing life. And now he's he's on a on a mission. Yeah, I think him getting that superstardom at that young age. Remember, he was, I believe, the first Gatorade national player to win it in only his sophomore season of high school. 
that's a grade 10 winning an award that usually grade 12s will get. Damn. So he was really on the face of high school basketball. And we kind of seen Memphis wasn't the best fit. Memphis isn't really the best fit for a lot of top prospects, which is kind of interesting. Since yeah, I wonder Penny, what, what Penny Hardaway's there. Because got drafted from one there. thing you notice, it's usually big men from from Memphis that end up flourishing. Guards don't really flourish in mm-hmm. Memphis. You look at Precious Achuya, Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart. Oh, no, Isaiah Stewart went to Washington. But guys like that are the ones who end up performing well in the NBA. And you yeah. look at some of their guards, they just don't f- pan out the same. And Mikey Williams committed there. So that's going to be interesting to see how Mikey kind of plays like Penny in a way. So maybe mm, that's, he can that's interesting fit. interest that. But uh, there's definitely a lot of talent in coming into the NBA next year. So make sure to keep your eyes out, not just in the NCAA. Look at the Overtime Elite League as well. The Thompson Twins are killing it. Look at the NBL. Look at, just consume as much basketball as you possibly can because there's there's so much talent. There's there's talent everywhere. It's going to be so hard for our first scouts to rank the top 60 players for the next 2023 draft because there's just so so much talent. So much talent. We're only going to see the growth of the game from here on out. But we've talked a lot. We want to know what you guys uh, feel and always reach out to us, contact us. You know what, what it yes, is. Sir. You guys know our ads at Nakeem Khan. Malik's is Malik M32001. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> y- yes, sir. It's a crazy username. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you guys. This was our final episode of the semester. Damn. But we will be back and we will be uh, stronger than ever before. We got some things planned of maybe. of furthering this podcast into you know a different realm so we want you guys to be a part of that journey with us we've been if for those that have been here for with us since first year since day one with justin and stetson that's it and now it's just us two and we still love them it's just you know it's just us two now you guys have seen the growth and the quality and the content of the way it's gone so only good things big things up here from here absolutely and uh, the next semester will be our last last set of episodes yeah the first four years but if the demand is high if y'all want us to continue it afterwards just let us know and maybe we, we can see what we can do and we, maybe we will and we'll see but anyways we appreciate you all for listening to the hoop central podcast yes, right here sir. on spirit live and we will see y'all hey you got to say one more thing yeah do your little merry christmas happy new year's uh, oh gosh <laughs> here we go we wish you a Merry Christmas. Wish you a Merry Christmas. Wish you a Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. You are watching the Hoop Central Podcast right here on Spirit Live.